Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go! Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go! It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Today podcast. Do not adjust your television sets. This is Heath Cummings filling in for Adam Azer, and we have a very exciting tight end centric podcast for you today we've got bust tight ends we're putting Devonte freeman under the microscope we're going to look at dsts we're going to look at kickers did i butcher that intro guys so far so good i uh i appreciate it and i appreciate you and uh finally a podcast without adam things are going to be great it was terrible Thank you, Jamie. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. One more programming note. We are recording this on Wednesday morning. You will hear it on Thursday morning. Hopefully nothing like Ricky Seals-Jones happens in between those two things. We're going to start off with an email of the day. And like Adam's not here, but this still has a lot of Adam influence to it. It's from Brandon from The Mitten. Dave, where is The Mitten? That would be Michigan. Oh, okay. Good. You didn't know that? Yeah. We I had know. a whole thing about this no more than three months ago. Yeah. Yeah. Was okay. it before or after the PN dub? Uh, I think it's before then. Okay. Hey, Woody, Buzz, Rex, and Slink. Jamie. Toy Story characters. Outstanding. Am I crazy to take Dalvin Cook as high as number five in a PPR league? And I think Jamie knows why we're reading this email. I do. He's, Adam said that during yesterday's mock, he messaged you because he wanted to take oh, Dalvin Cook number four. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Um, uh, he said he would have taken him number four, yes. Uh, yeah, it's a little bit crazy. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, on CBS Sports HQ, on Tuesday afternoon in breaking down the draft with Nick Costas and Pete Prisco, uh, Nick was even surprised that Cook went at the end of the first round um, ahead of Fournette, for example. And some of the receivers, I believe Julio Jones was one of the ones he mentioned. So, uh, look, Cook could be fantastic. He was on a very good pace uh, through the four games he played last year, uh, three and um, the majority of a fourth. So there's a lot of potential there. But, you know, you're still asking a guy coming off a torn ACL to be a top five player uh, at a position that's relatively loaded at the top. So I I would probably say trade down if you want to take him in the first round. What if your league doesn't allow trades? It's a bad league. (laughs) sure that's fair but like if you have to have this guy then obviously that's on you it's just not something that i don't think any of us would do i don't think that we would consider him ahead of i mean think about the guys you take it five overall in a ppr well that's that's antonio brown territory who's been like the safest thing in the world uh outside a quarterback in ppr leagues you're taking him over potentially david johnson or ezekiel elliott deandre hopkins hunt camara uh it just it seems like a stretch. And I love Dalvin Cook. You guys know this. I've been talking him up ever since he was like a prospect. Yeah, I think the only other thing, like it's definitely crazy today. It might become a time after week two or week three of the preseason when Dalvin Cook just broke off a 50-yard run and looks mm. like Dalvin Cook, where I could see taking him as high as number seven. I think seventh overall or seventh running back. Seven overall. Yeah. Now I I, I, I think, think some players are going to have to get hurt. But I don't think it's crazy to take him after the top four running backs and after Brown and Hopkins and PPR. There's no way he's getting drafted ahead of Camaro. 
well, maybe by uh, Brandon from the Mitten. And yeah, maybe but, by right, like you, you have by, to by like one love person, cook yes. and hate Camara. Yeah. Sure, like occasionally it, you'll see that. Because you, I don't think at six or seven you're getting Dalvin Cook in the second round. I know, but I think he if might. You, is, maybe. I don't know about that. Let's, I don't think he slips that far. Oh, I do. I mean, let's see what his average draft position is right now. You can look it up, but I, I think if you if you have to have Dalvin Cook. In that, in that range in our drafts already. You've got to go. If you have to have him, I think you've got to pick at eight or later. And then you take him with your first-round pick. I think he'll be okay there. Well, Adam said specifically about this question, don't let it be a 10-minute answer. I think we only went like eight and a half minutes. Well, we're, nine, we're, so still, we're still looking up his ADP. So We're still we're, looking we're up his ADP. Well, may... I'm, I'm, I'm going to take a step further because I think I know the answer to this. So, okay, so I, I took him at nine in our pick-by-pick pick in PPR. Yep. So second round. So that would be uh, what, 13, 14, 15, 16? Yeah, I think that's about as late as it could get. It have you seen? Have you seen him go later? It than could well, get well, later. No. Yes, you have. Ooh, okay. that's like finding a four-leaf clover, a purple one. With, it's with, crazy with today, Brandon. Out. It's crazy in three weeks. Maybe try to trade down, and if your commissioner won't allow that, then cut a deal before. Try the draft to trade commissioners. Before. Let's get to our <laughs> bust tight ends. I because Adam's not here. I think I can easily easily do this. I'll say Evan Ingram. I'm terrified. Yeah, I'm not drafting. Especially as ADP. It's yeah. not worth it. And I've seen it. Like, we talk about ADP matters, but also every draft is different. I've seen him go ahead of Olsen and Graham yeah. as the number four tight yeah. end. And I don't really look at it so much now with ADP is where they're going. It's the rank of where they're going is what concerns me. And the fact that he's the fourth tight end off the board is just way, way too soon, given what everything that's happening with the Giants offense, who's coming back, and how he performed last year. Uh, I, I think he's a great player, a ton of potential, but there is no way he's going to produce at the level he did last year. Target's going to go down. Production's going to go down. And so he is too risky as the fourth tight end off the board. And I'm taking him as the fourth tight end on the board as of now, and I see that potential that you referenced. Do I think the targets can come down? Yeah. Do I think the efficiency can go up? Absolutely, because I think he's going to get covered a lot differently without Odell, with Odell on the field versus without and I went back and I took a look at Pat Shermer's numbers, his tight ends, with him. Three out of four seasons, those tight ends had at least six touchdowns, and I want to say at least 700 yards. So 706, I would say, is pretty dang close to the floor for him. Now, when you compare it to somebody like Greg Olson, who's given you 1,000 yards three of the last four seasons, it doesn't look like much. But I think the people that will take Evan Ingram ahead of Greg Olson are worried about Greg Olson, A, just being too old, and B, Losing work because of DJ Moore being there, Christian McCaffrey taking a step forward. Um, I, I can put Torrey Smith in here, but really that's a joke because he's not really going to make that much of an impact there. I, I get it. At least I, I see it. I see what the Evan Ingram fans see, and and I think he can be more efficient than he was. Like he had a ton of drops last year. I think he can be better there, and I think he could be an absolute red zone beast for the Giants, especially off of play action when uh, Saquon is such a threat down there. Well, I would even take Kyle Rudolph ahead of Evan Ingram. So would I. I would take Walker ahead of him. And that's Dave's bust. Yeah, I, I, I think that Rudolph is a touchdown-dependent tight end. Now, maybe maybe I'm casting Evan Ingram in the exact same light because I'm talking him up as a red zone threat. But I think Evan Ingram is more of a receiver than a tight end, whereas Rudolph is clearly straight up a tight end. Doesn't get a lot of yards on a regular basis. And he's just going to have to come down with a touchdown in order for him to be great for your fantasy team. I think Evan Ingram can put together some 70, 80, 90-yard games that will help you 
when he doesn't score a touchdown, whereas what, Rudolph what, doesn't do that very what often. What do you consider to be a good yardage tight end? Because the 70 team, yards. Give me 70 yards. Because well, you there, do the there, math on it, the top 12 average for tight ends last year was seven fantasy points. Yeah, but there's there, there was four guys that went over 800 yards receiving. There was six guys that went over 700 yards receiving. It's not a yardage position. No, it's, so when you find guys that can put up that type of yardage, you right, should gravitate. But I don't but, know how he can put up that type of yardage if the targets go down. But it, Because the efficiency goes up. And I don't think they go down that much. He's not getting 115 targets. No, I don't. That, but can he get to 100? I no. think he can. Yeah, I think he can. How many passes is Eli throwing? He's going to throw a lot this year. He's 600 passes? Maybe. Well, then Saquon's going to stink. Saquon's going to catch a lot of them. All right. Saquon's going to get 100 targets, too. <laughs> you must have Eli as a top five quarterback. If you think He's close to my top 12. Great. He is. Yeah. I, uh, I, I hate ranking Eli Manning. Jamie, who is your bust tight end? Uh, Ingram is, is one. Um, and this is more of a do not draft more so than a than a bust it's jimmy graham because i i just worry that when the touchdowns go down just a little bit which they're going to go down a little bit because i don't think he's scoring 10 touchdowns as great as aaron Rodgers is um rogers doesn't have a great history with tight ends you know richard rogers scored eight touchdowns some of that was fluky with the hail marys uh jermichael finley had eight touchdowns obviously jimmy graham's the best talent that he's played with but you look at the last two years, uh, you know, you, if you want to throw out last year, I understand that. But Martellus Bennett was not playing well when uh, Rodgers was healthy. Jared Cook the year before uh, took the injuries in, at the wide receiver position for, for him to have the playoff performance that he had. So I think what's going to unfortunately happen to Jimmy Graham is he'll probably be in that six to eight touchdown range. Uh, but his catches, okay last year. Uh, when you look at the position, he was ninth in, in receptions, uh, but only 57. He was 17th in yards at the position. And he looks slower. I don't know if that knee is ever going to help him get back to the level that he was. Uh, so if the, the touchdowns decline by two to four, then we're talking about a slippage from where he's being drafted as the fifth tight end to somewhere closer to 10. And so, again, it's where he's being ranked in ADP, not necessarily what his average draft position, although I do think round six is too high for him right now. I'm, I'm a little bit nervous that if the touchdowns, for whatever reason, start to decline, which you would think that they will. He was the leader at the position last year with 10. If he gets below eight, it's going to be a little bit of a problem for him if the catches and yards stay the same. His receiving average dropped from 14.2 in 2016 to 9.1 awful, awful. in 2017. And that makes all the difference in the world because he had one more target from 16 to 17, a few fewer catches. He definitely has a drops issue as well. I I, I just here here here's here's my problem with Jimmy Graham, and, and this is just this isn't to say that he's not a bust. I'm just, I, I think about what the Packers' offense looks like now. We've got question marks at running back. We've got Devontae Adams. We know what he is. We think we know what Randall Cobb is. If Aaron Rodgers is going to be a great quarterback, someone's got to step up. And I, I wonder questions. if that's going to end up being at, Graham. At, at the running back. I have questions at who is the running back, but they're going to get production from that group. So it doesn't matter if it's one guy or if it's all three guys. He's going to get that group numbers. Okay. But I also think the tight end group. I know their names. They're not great names, but they're names. But Lance Kendricks will probably catch one or two. Mercedes Lewis will find a way to catch one or two. Those guys are going to be on the field because they're very good blockers. And so while Graham will have his role and will lead the position in targets and production, obviously, I still you have to factor in there's going to be one of the two rookies or three rookies, excuse me, that they drafted. Geronimo Allison is going to play a role. And then you have, obviously, Devontae Adams and, and Randall Cobb. So... I think Graham is, is, is a number one tight end. He's not a bust, do not draft. He's not a guy to avoid. 
just taking him as the fifth tight end to me is risky. Taking him in round six is risky. And again, if the touchdowns go from 10, because he was great with that number last year, to six, he's not going to be very good. I like, think, and I wrote a piece for Sports Science coming out today, tomorrow, yesterday. Someday. I don't know, I don't know, what, I don't know what day it is. Uh, I think Jimmy Graham has an enormous range of possibilities. Because if what we saw last year where the yards per reception fell to nine was him falling off a cliff, then I think everything you said, Jamie, is right. He may catch five or six touchdown passes and have 400 yards receiving. But I have a hard time. Like I think Aaron Rodgers is going to throw 30-plus touchdowns this year. Sure. And I think Devontae Adams catches 10, 12 of them. Randall Cobb catches five or six. But here, here's the thing with Cobb. When he was at his best, he was a great red zone threat for them. Right. And so if he's healthy, which is a, is a big key, his role right. is obviously going to be there. It's interesting, though. Like I'm, I'm just looking at this now, and I didn't really notice this before. So, Dave, you say Kyle Rudolph's a bust for you. Do you know the difference? I'm the still drafting him. He's but, still in my no, top I, I, I understand it. But you know the difference in the two guys? Because the, the draft Between Rudolph Graham and Graham Rudolph? from a year ago. It's two touchdowns. Everything else is exactly the same. 57 catches for both of them. 520 yards for Graham. 532 for Rudolph. Mm-hmm. And Rudolph had eight touchdowns. Graham had 10. They both averaged nine, 9.3 for Rudolph, 9.1 receiving. And uh, both had down years, right? Because didn't Rudolph totally. in 2016 have a better year and than both had new quarterbacks? Both had both have new quarterbacks now this year. This is the one thing you talked about the range of possibilities with Graham Heath. Could it possibly be? And I'm not saying this is a good thing that the Packers are going to use him as their number two receiver. I think it's possible. He like they 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 don't even bother lining him up. Fluke. They don't even bother lining him up. The, the way that they would well, Kendrick or Mercedes. He's not going to block anybody. Good they God, literally wind him up. That's a slow <laughs> I know. But like Ooh. maybe that's what they're thinking is we're going to try and get by with Jimmy Graham opposite, drawing coverage away from Devontae Adams. And there's and there's making no way Aaron Rodgers playing until he's 40. I, I think Jimmy Graham could finish anywhere from top three tight end to who am I starting week six. Right. Which means that someone's going to take him hoping for that top three. Yeah, finish. I mean, I, again, I don't see a big difference between him and Rudolph. And so I'll take Rudolph... A lot Four later. rounds later. Right. Let's get away from tight ends and put a second-round pick under the microscope. It's Devontae Freeman, 26 years old, entering his fifth season in the league. Last year was a disappointment. He had the concussion issues, only 865 yards rushing. He had another 317 in the passing game, but even that was frustrating because his role, the situation with him and Tevin Coleman, it just does not seem fixed in the way we like our running back situations to be fixed. How do we feel about Devontae Freeman in the second round? I wouldn't take him in the second round. Early third. To me, he's he's the same as Jarek McKinnon. Well, I, I think a little bit higher of him, but I still view him as the, oh, crap, I need a fairly reliable running uh, Not even fairly. Oh, crap, I need a reliable running back. I better draft Freeman. The, the, the second part of what you read with his stats is the most concerning to me because when he was at his best, it was when he was a big part of the passing game, and I think that's gone away. Well, and I don't know if it'll come back. He had five games last year with 18 or more carries, averaged 93 rushing yards per game, and scored six touchdowns. And he missed three games. Nine basically. games with 12 or fewer carries, and he averaged 40 yards per game. Yeah. I don't know how Devontae Freeman has nine games with 12 or fewer carries, but that's terrifying. Because Tevin Coleman's good. Tevin Coleman is good. I agree. I I don't really have a problem in a non-PPR league taking Devontae Freeman at the end of the second round, but he's there in the third a lot. He should be. I mean, this is a guy that's just trending in the wrong direction. He also battled a knee problem last year that was you know, frustrating at the end of the season. He battled through it in the playoffs, but 
you know, that was a storyline going in the offseason. He had to address it, said he was, you know, he feels like he's fine. I hope that he is. Um, it's just one of those things where, you know, they added another running back as well, Nito Smith. We'll see what role he plays, but that's going to take, you know, maybe two or three touches away from Freeman on a week-to-week basis if he's active every week. Coleman's entering free agency. You don't know what that's going to be, you know, in terms of how his potential could be. And Coleman was good when, you know, Freeman missed time. So maybe Steve Sarkeesian and, and Dan Quinn see something in Coleman that they want to use maybe a little bit more. Um, Freeman's contract is certainly, you know, lends itself to him getting a ton of work because they paid him to be a featured guy, but they don't necessarily use him that way. And so uh, I, I think, you know, you look at the Falcons passing game, they clearly went out and tried to make that better by getting Calvin Ridley. So Matt Ryan may have a bounce back season. I think we're all expecting that to some level, uh, whether it's, you know, to the MVP level he was two years ago. That remains to be seen. But uh, with Julio Jones there, you know, Heath, you talked about yesterday, you expect Austin Hooper to be better. Um, Muhammad Sanu is still going to get his targets and his production. So I think Freeman's kind of what he was last year is going to be somewhat similar to what he is this year. And I wonder if our problem with him in the second round is a running back problem or the receivers and tight ends that are going after him. Freeman has an ADP of 21st overall. He's the 12th running back off the board. The running back going right in front of him in non-PPR, Christian McCaffrey or Devontae Freeman? Freeman. I would take Freeman too, Dave. Yeah, I, I think I'm leaning toward Freeman. So let's go with the running backs right behind him. Jordan Howard at 20, pick 25. That's the one that I'm struggling with right now in my rankings. I have them back-to-back right now at 12 and 13, Freeman at 12. Um, if Howard looks like he's going to get the role I hope he gets uh, with the Bears, I'll move him ahead of Freeman during training camp. I've got it Freeman, Howard, McCaffrey. Okay. Non PPR. Joe Mixon behind all those guys. Yes. Yeah, but I have McKinnon ahead of, of, of Freeman. That's that's the one because mm-hmm. Jarek McKinnon is going right after Joe Mixon and Jordan Howard, and they all basically have the same ADP at twenty five. So it's yeah, just I mean I get it. I know I'm obviously bullish on McKinnon, but I, I just think that the offense that made Freeman special is now McKinnon's offense. So I'll, I'll take Kyle Shanahan's track record over what Sarkeesian showed me last year with how Freeman could be used. But I think what this is really about, and not wanting to take Devontae Freeman in the second round. Mike Evans is behind him. You'd definitely take Mike Evans, right? Of course. Gronk is behind him. I think it depends. I would would rather have Gronk, but I think Evans versus Freeman comes down to what position you want. Yeah, I'll take the more talented. Well, this is at the end of the first, second round. So in theory, you have one of the big three running backs already. Four. Big four. So then in that case, you'd probably lean a little bit toward Evans and hope that Freeman makes it back to you in round three. Kelsey's well behind him. Would you rather have Kelsey than Freeman? Yes. I don't know if I'm saying yes to that. I don't think so. Thielen or T.Y. Hilton? No. no. Maybe Hilton. Uh, de- I'm sorry, definitely Hilton. Definitely. definitely. Not okay. for me. I'll take Freeman. All right. So take Devontae Freeman at the start of the third round. Take a wide receiver or a tight end with that end of the second round. Sure. Pick. Absolutely. Unless you really want to start heavy with the running backs. I know a lot of people do. I'm pretty good with the uh, the mixed start there. Give me a running back and Kelsey 100%. or a running back or wi- and wide receiver. Let's get to the injuries, news, and notes. Jamie, you jinxed ricky seals well, apparently it's it, this really sounds like it's going to be a, a nothing story i mean he apparently had to go to the bathroom uh they wouldn't let him in the hotel uh it sounds like he was intoxicated so he got probably a little bit belligerent but i i can't imagine this is going to bring any discipline from the nfl you don't think a suspension is in the offing for something like this no he was charged with assault disorderly conduct and third degree criminal trespassing yeah I third mean, degree how many degrees of trespassing are there i don't know but he's know on the third one if you, if you read the, the news story apparently he tried to go to the bathroom yeah. in one spot yes. they told him no they told him no then it got physical and he w- he pushed someone in the shoulder region yes. that 
Yes. Arizona GM Steve Keim is suspended five weeks and fined $200,000 for an extreme DUI. He will also serve 48 hours in jail. Dallas defensive end Randy Gregory has been reinstated after a year-long ban. Do we have any interest in the Dallas defense? No, but this is a guy to pick up in IDP leagues if you're in a real deep one anyway. You could speculate on him. Yeah, don't play him when they play the Giants because Eli's throwing for 500 yards that week. Thank you. And Adam Azer will be 300 there. Uh, Ingram. With SeatGeek tickets. Buying tickets online can be complicated and confusing, but there is a better way to buy with SeatGeek. I love the SeatGeek app. I use it every time I need tickets. I've used it to take my wife to see Jack Johnson. I've used it to go see the Heat and the Marlins. If you need tickets for a game, for a concert, for a comedy or theater, you can get all of that on the SeatGeek app. And we can save you 20 bucks on your first purchase. All you have to do is use the code FFT on the SeatGeek app. SeatGeek saves you time and money. Remember, when you used to search multiple sites to find the best deals on tickets, well, you don't have to do that anymore. Just search for an event on SeatGeek, and SeatGeek will do the rest. You'll be able to identify the best values, and with just a few taps, you'll have your tickets. Remember, our listeners get $20 off their first purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app. Enter the promo code FFT. That's promo code FFT for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. And now the moment everyone has been waiting for all off season. It's DST and kicker talk. No, 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 no. And I am going to do the most Adam Azer thing ever. Dave, what is your DST strategy going into a draft? Well, thanks, Adam. I mean, Heath, the DST strategy is pretty simple. I'm going to wait toward the end of my draft and then I'm going to take one. When to take one, you might ask? There's, there's, there's three rules. One, if I totally love my team, let's just say I've gotten a bunch of steals and my team is amazing, I might go for the kill in round 11 and take the DSC that I like the best. For me, that's the Rams. Um, if, 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 I, if I'm a little picky about my DSTs and I want one that I'm not going to you know, start with as a streamer, one that I want to commit to, then I'll probably look for one no later than the third to last round of my draft. And if I just need a DST, I'm going to wait till the second to last round and then get a kicker in my last round. Jamie, what is your DST strategy? Uh, last two rounds. <laughs> You'll never take one in the third to last round. No, because somebody's going to take the Jaguars. Uh, I think George Maselli did it in our draft. He did it like round 10, right? Yeah. Uh, I, no, I think it was sooner than that. Um, I looked at their ADP, and it's round nine right now. Yeah. I, I just, it's too soon. No. Well, and, and the Jaguars have the best defense. I don't think it's close, especially if Aaron Donald holds out. Um, well, sure. If he holds and, out, then and, that changes it. Uh, well, I mean, even if he plays, the Jaguars have the best defense. Oh, I don't know. Um, well, okay. <laughs> uh, so you're 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 putting yourself at risk if, in fact, they do suffer any significant injuries, maybe outside of the defensive line, because they're loaded there. Um, and, and we've seen this time and time again. You know, Seattle comes off a dominant season; they don't repeat it. You know, they're still the best, but they don't repeat it. Denver comes off a dominant season. They're the best. They don't repeat it. Baltimore, back in the day, you know, go down the line. So you're, you're chasing points in that regard. Now, round 10, maybe, you know, if, you're, if you really love your first nine picks. Um, I get it, but I wouldn't do it. I, I just think, you know, you're, you're better off. Like, for me, the, the, the two that I'm looking at the most, uh, maybe three, uh, Baltimore because they're a good defense and they get Buffalo week one. 
um, the Saints because they're a good defense, and they get Ryan Fitzpatrick week one. They get the Browns in week two. And the Lions uh, because they get the Jets in week one, and they're also a good defense. They're the third of that group by far, but uh, you can get all those guys. And, uh, you know, assuming, you know, most drafts go the way they do, you can get them in round 13 or 14. And I am great with waiting on defense, but does the size of your league matter? It's easy to stream DSTs in a 10 or 12 team league. If you're in a 14 or 16 team league, it might be a little bit more difficult. Are you going to put more emphasis on DSTs in that format? No. I'm not either. No, because, I mean, nobody drafted Jacksonville last year. Right. And they proved to be fantastic. Right. So, Jamie, you mentioned Baltimore as a good week one streamer. I also like the Lions a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think they're a team that like you're taking. I'm the, I'm the only one that drafts them in our drafts generally, or somebody else will take them with one of the last few picks. They are always available. Early schedules, though, for the best DSTs, there's some tough ones. The Vikings start with the 49ers at home. At the Packers, they get the gimme against the Bills. Then they go to the Rams and to the Eagles. Does that make you want to just avoid the Vikings? No. As a matter of fact, I they typically do a decent job against Aaron Rodgers. I don't have they it off the top him. of my head. They yeah, break right, him. right. Um, I, I'm fine with that schedule. Maybe the game at Philadelphia might worry me the most. I think the two, like at the Rams and at Philadelphia, I don't worry too much about a home opener against the 49ers. No. No, although they lost one two years ago. Yeah. Mm. I mean, they might, they might lose the game, but that's not a, a matchup I'm avoiding with the defense like the Vikings. Also a difficult schedule to start the year. The Chargers have the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes at home. Then they're at Buffalo, but then they have at the Rams and the 49ers. You guys, are you drafting the Chargers, or does this I'm make taking, you less yeah, likely to draft No, them? that pass rush, I'll always start with pass rush whenever I'm looking at DST, and they have the best in the business. You know, So when, when you have Bosa and Ingram and you know what they added to the back end of their defense, uh, linebackers should be good enough. Um, they'll be able to contain the run. It, it's a very good you know formula for them to look – if you get penalized tremendously by points against or yards against, you know, however your, your defensive scoring is, but you're looking for sacks, you're looking for turnovers, and, and the Chargers, I think, will be among the best in that, in that regard. That's why the Chiefs' defense was so good for many years. Chiefs' DST were so good, which I think they will be again because I think that's the two things that they will do well is they'll get after the quarterback, and they'll certainly turn the ball over with Eric Berry back. I'm kind of worried the Chiefs' defense is just going to be absolutely awful. I think they do still have the yeah. good pass rush, but I don't know that they can cover anybody long enough to get there. I, I don't know if their pass rush is as good as it's been in the past. No, it's definitely not as good as it's been in the past. Because I don't know if Justin Houston's the same guy. Tyreek Hill I don't could know make if Tyree Ford is. Like, if they just let him return more kicks, they might get the, yeah, but the again, special teams I, I, points. They're getting back one of the best safeties in football, and Eric yep. Berry's certainly going to turn things around from what they looked like last year. I like the Texans a lot if they stay stay healthy this year, but they start off with yeah, they start with at the Patriots. England. So should we not even draft them? You're not going to start them against the Patriots on the road, are you? Yeah. I think if you draft I, them, you kind of have to. I think you should You should certainly know, like if you're looking lot. at the Texans' DST, you should absolutely know, before you draft them, they play week one in New England. So if you're not comfortable with that matchup, don't draft them. But again, you know, look, the Patriots, I think, by the end of the year, are going to be, obviously, you know, one of, if not the best teams in football. They get off to slow starts notoriously. They have two new starters on the offensive line. That's going to take some time to gel and Brady getting used to what those guys do, especially at left tackle. They have no element to start the season. Right. So, you know, they're, they're down parts and replacing parts. And so you have hopefully a healthy J.J. Watt, hopefully a healthy Merciless. You have a new Tyron Matthew that, you know, can, can create a turnover. He'll help or, them because they had trouble make, there. make a play or two. Yep. And so, again, while they may give up 40 points, which is potentially a, a problem for them, 
they may hit Brady four or five times, you know, and they and they may get a fumble recovery or or, or a, you know pick six or, or not pick six, but an interception. Could Houston win that game? Absolutely. Oh, they could. Yeah, yeah. I'm not afraid to take the Texans DST. And the Patriots lost at home in Week One last year, right? They got blasted, yeah. but Kansas but but, but uh, they they put up points though. Right. All right. So we, Adam wants a sleeper breakout and bust at DST. I will give you my bust to start, and we've talked about him a lot already. I do think that on paper Jacksonville's the best defense in football. I think drafting them in the ninth or tenth round is a bad plan. Jamie, you talked about how hard it is to repeat as the number one defense. The last five years, the number one defense the following year has finished no better than fifth. I think Jacksonville has a decent chance to do that to finish better than that, but I don't. They're not a guarantee to be the number one scoring defense. I don't want to take a defense in the first 10 rounds without that guarantee. And one other thing, they scored seven defensive touchdowns last year. That's the first team to do that since the 2013 Chiefs, who scored seven defensive touchdowns and followed that up with one following year. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing about Jacksonville is their, their defensive line is the deepest in football. Um, you know, and that's saying a lot given what Philadelphia has done, but... Uh, there's there's so much talent there. They're going to be better getting after the quarterback. Miles Jack will continue to improve, and, and he certainly was great last year. Secondary is amazing. Um, the one thing, though, about Jacksonville, which lends itself to your point, Heath, is they played Deshaun Watson for half, and it was his first NFL game in week one. They didn't play Andrew Luck at all. And the hope would be is that, you know, Dave, you talked about this with Matt LaFleur, is that the Titans' offense is a little bit better. You know, so you're talking about three teams in their division, which offensively should be better. Obviously, the Colts for sure if, if Luck plays. So while they will be uh, certainly able to contain those offenses, it's a much different challenge than what they faced a year ago. So uh, I, I don't necessarily think it's uh, a bad call to call them a bust based on their draft spot. But right. if you tell me that I'm taking them as the first DST and they finish no worse than fifth, it's the same thing like we talk about with any other position. I'm, I'm certainly okay with that. Oh, yeah, I'd be okay with it if I was taking them as the first one in, in a relatively similar place where the other DST But where would you take going. them? What's their 11, 12? I would take 15 them. round draft. How early are you taking? Them? I, I would take them in the third to last round. I might <clears throat> at the end of the fourth to last round, mm-hmm. but the ninth round's a long way from there. There, yep. there are no, good good players available yep. there. So. I, I, I've said this before, and maybe it was just when Adam and I were, were doing the show together ourselves. But um, I have a tough keeper decision to make. It, you keep four players. They start after round thirteen, but it's players that were drafted or free agents drafted after round eight or free agents. So I have, for sure, I'm keeping, it's PPR League, so I'm keeping DeAndre Hopkins, I'm keeping Edelman, and I'm keeping Jarvis Landry. My fourth choice is, if he's healthy, Allen Robinson as of now, but I also have the Jaguars DST, and this is a league that DST scores like quarterbacks. And so to have the Jaguars in my back pocket, knowing that, okay, I have them round 13 through 16, I think we go 16 rounds, is a nice bonus. But then I'm giving up one of those receivers, which I can keep forever. So that's the, the tough challenge for me. You guys have a sleeper. I, I don't know how to distinguish. I mean, for me, Detroit, like I said before, I, I, Detroit. I, th- I think just the fact that they get off, the, the, they have the ability to start the season with the Jets makes them, you know, for, for a team that's not going to get drafted very much, that's the type of team you look for. Right, but that's, that's if, you're, if you're just resigned to streaming. They could be improved, right? They had a lot of injuries last year. They've got a new, new head coach. We just got done talking mind. about how pass rush is like the most important thing. And outside of Ansa, what do they have? And he may hold up. Yeah, not I'm much. I'm very concerned about that front seven for Detroit. So they're they're not high on my the, list. The one thing though with Patricia is the Patriots, for the most part, since Seymour left, you know, or since Chandler Jones left, I, I should say, uh, haven't had exactly a dominant pass rusher. And their Patriots defense DST has been good because of the points allowed. But that is facing the Dolphins and the Bills and the Jets. Now they're <laughs> facing the Packers and the Vikings and 
you know, the we'll hopefully see what the bears, bears but you know, it's, um, it, it's, it's definitely a different situation for Patricia. But would you, would you feel comfortable starting the Lions DST at San Francisco? No. In a vacuum. No, that's their so. week two opponent. I, I, so if I you're drafting Detroit, say. it's I for, I can't say because you know, okay. we're all, we're all heaping a ton of potential on Jimmy Garoppolo, but that's still, and, and look, I obviously love Jared McKinnon, but that's still going to be an offense that struggles week one against Minnesota. If that's the case in the, the Lions DST, which was awesome to start the year last year, talk about a team turning the ball over. You know, if they can get off to a great start against Josh McCown and the Jets, which I don't think is a big surprise, you may say, okay, well, the Vikings just shut out the 49ers. Maybe I'll stick with them for next week. Better breakout DST, the Saints or the Chargers? I would say the Chargers. The Chargers. And I don't know if they're breaking out necessarily. Well, they were ninth last year. I'm talking about a team that was not in the top five that could move into the top five. Chargers, sure. I, I, I think it's. I like the Chargers a lot. I do like the Saints a lot. They've got a lot of young talent on that defense. They've got a pretty they good do. home. The one thing they have that the Chargers don't have, the Chargers basically have eight neutral site games and eight road games, and a home crowd does help a defense. The Saints have the Superdome. I'd like sure. to see what Davenport brings to that defense. That was their first-round pick. They traded up to get him. They obviously believe in him as a difference maker he's for their now. pass rush, and he's hurt right now. But if he comes, if he ends up being okay for the start of the season uh, and, and the reports are good and he looks fine in practice, that's the cherry on top for this defense because they really took, they took like three steps forward last year. They really did a great job. And you know, we'll, we'll talk about pass rush. That's definitely a thing to look for with your DSTs. But when you've got a cornerback that you can leave on an island, it opens up your defensive coordinator to just come up with all kinds of crazy blitz schemes. And New Orleans has that with Lattimore. One well, so do the Chargers, though. They do. The oh, Chargers do, too. I'm not making the comparison to the Chargers. I'm just talking up the Saints DST as a draftable unit. One fun fact about the Saints. They forced 20 fumbles last year and recovered five of them. <laughs> you should... They should Heath regression alert. Here we go. Be expected to recover around 50% of the fumbles. Recovering fumbles is not a skill. Forcing them is more so. I don't know how much. Any other final thoughts on DST other than please don't take one in the 7-3-3? I'd like to say something about the Bengals' DST. I think that they're underrated. I think they've got a good pass rush. I think they've got a good secondary. And I think their schedule, we'll see. They play in Indianapolis week one, which Andrew Luck shows up, if Andrew Luck shows up. Week two, uh, it's Baltimore at Carolina in week three. Could get a little hairy. But for those first two games at least... I think you could start the season with Cincinnati. You think they have a good secondary? I think they have an okay secondary. When pass rush, healthy. I'm with you. I just spoke to Carl Lawson last week, and I think he's going to be one of the next great pass rushers in the league. And when you pair him with Dunlap and, and Geno Atkins on that defensive line, that sure. could be one of the best lines They got football. Jackson. They got Kirkpatrick. Safety is a little bit quiet. They used to have, like, crazy depth. Yeah, I don't, I don't think their secondary is good at all. I think they're okay. And I have never been as excited about anything as I am the fact that we're now going to talk about kickers. Oh. Is there any kicker strategy besides take one with your last pick? If, you, if you're near one of the turns and you don't necessarily like the defense or you're not sold on one of the DSTs on the board, you know you could take a kicker in the second to last round. It's the people that do it sooner than that. I think that's where it becomes a little bit of an issue because, again, like defenses, you know, we saw Goskowski you know, repeat for a couple of years as the best kicker, but that's changed a little bit. You know, Tucker's been a little up and down. When he's on, he's amazing. When he's down, he's still very good, but just not the number one guy. Uh, everybody's looking at Zerline now as that guy, but is his back okay? Um, you know, so the, it, it's just there's so many good kickers, and you could also stream the position. It's just not worth it. I'm a little worried about Zerline. 
he made 95% of his kicks last year. He's a career 80% guy. Do we think he just he had, six years didn't in? Didn't he became, have like a really terrible year Yep, along the way? The second year. So like he's had this amazing year, and now he's had a terrible year. I don't. But he also he also has a much better offensive coach, and so you know right. they, they move the ball so well, right? And, and, and they'll get more attempts, and their defense is going to put them in a lot of positions, mm-hmm. you know, where they don't necessarily have to, uh, you know, worry about field position, you know, if they try long kicks, which is what he's obviously been very good at. Um, if he's healthy, I, I think he's easily the number one kicker. I I think I'd go with Stephen Goskowski, who has finished as a top two kicker six of the last seven years. He did have a down year in 2016, but that was his own year when he was not a top two kicker. He's good. Yeah, I mean, he's my second favorite kicker. I I don't have a problem with him, but I I just think Zerline, the ceiling with him right now, especially with the leg that he has, you know, he'll he'll get you the 50, you know, especially get bonuses. He'll he'll get you, I think, more 50-yard kicks than Goskowski will. Do you guys stream kickers, or do you just pick one and set it and forget it? More so the latter. If I get a kicker that's ranked in my top five, I'm setting it and forgetting it. Right. I do think you can stream kickers. It's not as predictable as other positions, and that's one of the reasons I'd like to ban kickers altogether. But if it, nothing else, you can look for a team that is projected to score a lot of points that's playing indoors and just stream that kicker. Mm-hmm. It's pretty pretty elementary, but that is that is not a bad way to do it if – you end up with a kicker that you just can't stand to keep on your roster. It may just be wasted energy as well. Do you ever keep a kicker through his bye week? Zerline last year. Uh, Goskowski when he's been great. I That's think also it. it comes down <laughs> to, uh, you know, do you get $0 bids on your fab budget? Right. Because wasting that dollar. Oh, yeah, I week. wouldn't waste a dollar streaming kicker. No, but I'm, yeah, I'm saying wasting the dollar week to week when you're streaming, it's, you know, could catch up to you by the end of the season if you're doing it, you know, for eight to 10 weeks. So when you keep them through their bye week, you're actually dropping somebody else on your bench, putting them on your bench it, and adding another kicker. Or, or you know, I, I mean, I've seen, and, and, you know, again, to reference uh, Nick, when he had his, um, his perfect season last year, which he'll tell you about anytime you ask him. Oh, yes. Or if you don't, um, he had Jake Elliott during his great stretch run last year and he felt his team was good enough to win without starting a kicker <laughs> against the team he was playing he was right obviously so you know if you think you can get by without those you know could be obviously double digits in points but if you feel you can get by without the kicker production then don't even drop the guy or drop somebody else just like what does that make you think about nick's league that he had a perfect season and he was winning weeks while getting a zero from kicker and just saying i don't need a kicker yeah. That might speak to the strength <laughs> of his league. Do we have any sleepers, breakouts, or busts at kicker? Yeah. I've got I Dustin know. Hopkins ranked in my top 12, and I don't think he should be there solely because the Redskins have an early season bye. Okay. Mm, interesting. But that's, that's the closest we're going to get to a sleeper, a breakout, or a bust at kicker. I wouldn't draft him just because I don't want to deal with replacing him in week four. But we do have emails. Mark. From a city a stone's throw away from Washington, D.C. Uh, Bethesda. Dear Bruticus, Superion, com- man, I Computron, Computron. Computron and Devastator. Transformers? I, I, that's the guess. Yeah. I, I don't know where else those names could come from. Do you guys have any issues with having both Beckham and Barkley? I have Odell in a keeper league with no keeper restrictions, and I'm trying to get the first pick so I can get Barkley. But so, I am a bit concerned about putting too many eggs in the Giants' basket. So Adam's not here, but he still sends an email? He's still sending an email. Thank um, you, Mark. 
Well, Dave, you're the Giants guy, so <laughs> I mean, apparently they're going to score fifty thousand points. Yeah, they're going to they're going to set the world on fire. Um, look, between the two of them, I think you'll have at least one stud performer each week, and I think you'll see several weeks where they both go off. Mostly, I don't care. Like, I'm not trying to go it stack It depends teams, on the offense for me, right? I'm not trying to avoid them. Well, I mean, look, if you're in an auction, you're going to be afraid to take Le'Veon and Antonio Brown. I, I, I think that's not necessarily the level of those two guys, but it's not far off. And so, you know, you're, you're talking about two guys who could be unbelievable. Right. And so I want that. <laughs> Would you take Kareem Hunt and Travis Kelsey? Yeah, sure. Would you yeah. take Todd Gurley and Brandon Cooks? It, no. If they're available at the right time. Well, yes, because I'll take sure. Brandon Cooks if he's there in round nine. I think I think I got Cook in the six yesterday, and and I like that. Would you take nine, Would you take Isaiah Crowell and Jermaine Curse? No, thanks, oh, Dave, for adding that. Jeff from Iowa, City in Iowa. Um, Iowa City. Doing some mock drafts, and I'm thinking this guy is significantly undervalued. I'm in a 12-team ESPN league, and he is listed as the number 56 player. I look at the Jai, Marshawn Lynch, Alex Collins, and Ronald Jones. I'd rather have Derrick Henry than any of those guys. Not because I think he's that great, because I think Tennessee's O-line is that great. You or I could run for 1,500 yards behind that line. Yeah, I'm slow. We couldn't, Jeff. I run my 40 in like eight seconds. I'm thinking Henry is at least 10 picks undervalued, but I'm willing to listen to why I'm off on that. Thoughts? I assume this is a PPR league if he's the number 56 player. Jeff, are you sure that Derrick Henry is going to be like a for sure three down player? He doesn't have to be a three-down player though to be successful. Well, to be better. So than he's 56? talking about. So wait a minute. So he's saying that he should be picked ten spots higher than fifty-six, or ten spots higher from where we have him. Ten spots I think higher. We than all agree that he's a round three guy, maybe even round two. Someone, but in not in PPR. Field. No, he slips a little bit in PPR. He slips a lot in PPR. Yeah, I I get a little bit worried about him in PPR, but I I don't know if I get. 56 worried about him in PBR. I've got him number 45 overall, which is 11 spots higher. I agree with you completely, Jeff. So do I. All right. From Brian, I have the fifth pick in my upcoming 12-team PPR draft. I kept Deshaun Watson. Should I pick Antonio Brown or double up with DeAndre Hopkins? For me, this gets back to what we just talked about. I don't care, but I'm also not reaching to make it happen. If Antonio Brown's there, I'm taking him. Like, I wouldn't avoid Hopkins if he's the best player on my board because I have Watson, but I would still take Brown over him. I'm not going to take Hopkins just because I have Watson. Right. Because, I mean, the one thing, especially with Watson's case, if he goes down, Hopkins, unless it's Brock Osweiler, is fantastic. But there's always that risk. Right. Dave, you're on board? Sure. We've got another email from Jeff. I don't know where Jeff's from. Ames, Iowa. Ames, Iowa. Just right down the road from Jeff. It's all just one long road in Iowa. There's, there's multiple roads, just only one of them. I've only seen one. On a recent episode, Heath referenced his season-long projections for David Johnson. Dave commented he hadn't done a projection yet. If I heard him right, I'm curious as to the rankings methodology between the experts. It seems Heath is using projections as a basis. What are Dave and Jamie doing from a process standpoint to arrive at preseason ranks? Always appreciate a peek behind the curtain at the process. So when you do a projection, Heath, you assign every stat possible to a player? I start with the number of plays I expect the team to run. Okay. And then their pass run breakdown. Okay. And then target share and run share for the running backs and receivers. And then I add efficiency, yards per attempt, and touchdown rate. Okay. And that it is sounds how- great. And once upon a time that is how I did it. I I kind of assign ranges to players. 
And if I, if I think a player's got a chance at, uh, I think the highest range I've got is 1,500 total yards and 10-plus touchdowns. And I think if, if, there's a, if that range is there for, for a running back, then he's going to be listed toward the top of my draft, and that's where I've got David Johnson. I think that's his – I think he's absolutely in the range of getting 1,510 plus. How do you weigh upside versus the floor? In a way, I don't think about the floor. And in a way, I don't think about the upside. I just I, – I get in my head what I think a player is capable of doing and what I would expect from him based on where I would draft him, and that's that. Jamie, what's your uh, the beginning stages of your process? Um, I just rank players how I like them, uh, and then uh, we're going to be doing projections, season long projections again um, for the first time in God knows how many years. Uh, I just assign fantasy production to the guys how I have them ranked. Okay, so you start with the rankings first, and then go to the projections. Yeah, I, I don't really necessarily care about what the final numbers are going to be. I just kind of worry about more so how they're going to finish in my mind. That is going to do it for the Azerless podcast on a Wednesday that you're hearing on a Thursday. And that's probably going to be our last podcast of the week, but we should talk to you next week. Bye. Na 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 na.